Tappers, what's up? It is the Monday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope everybody is doing well. Hope you had a good weekend. Hopefully everybody stayed safe. The weather was quite a ride this weekend, and I think we're getting some bad stuff today. We are presented by Tabby the Keg Sports. If you didn't know, we changed your name. Uh, basically, it's start of August, so we are now Tabby the Keg Sports. Just uh, want to remind that, and that's on all the socials as well. Rate, review, subscribe, do all that as well. Good show today. We're going to talk about the Brewers and Giants series, some observations from it. I was at the game uh, yesterday, so we'll kind of talk through you know, what I've seen from the Brewers in this series. How much of this do I take seriously? How much of it do I not um, with all the COVID stuff and what the Brewers have on their roster right now? Um, we will also look ahead to this week for the Brewers, and then we will get into Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton winning gold medals, and if that ups the respect level that people have for both Holiday and Middleton and the Bucks' big three. Lastly, we'll talk about Grayson Allen, uh, the trade that was made by the Bucks on Friday to get Grayson Allen to Milwaukee, a shrewd move by John Horst. We'll tell you why. Um, not a lot of family night stuff, honestly. Um, there was... Not too many headlines. Um, obviously, the Devin Funchess thing happened. I don't know if you guys saw that. Uh, Devin Funchess uh, made a racial gesture uh, targeting Asian, uh, the Asian culture or the perceived Asian culture uh, with his eyes. I think you guys can kind of figure it out. Uh, he apologized um, right away. Brian Gunaku said, there, you know, we have a zero tolerance thing on this. We've talked to Devin. We're not going to cut him because of this. I'm sure it does not help Funchess's case to have something like this, very unpackers-like, if you will. And some people were mad at the lack of attention it received, um, especially as we had Lewis Brinson, unfortunately, get a racial slur screamed at him in Colorado this afternoon. And some people are saying, well, the juxtaposition of that versus what happened with Funches, it was nowhere near. Look, I, I think there's no room for what Funches did. Um, I think all is bad. I think you just need to be a good human. And the fact that Funches got out of it, in front of it, and said he's sorry. He didn't wait two days to apologize. He apologized immediately. Brian Gunacus apologized. It's unfortunate that he did it, but hopefully he can learn. Um, and hopefully he can get smarter from it. But yeah, it's unfortunate that that has kind of marred uh, family night um, over the last couple of days um, as we go forward. But yeah, I wasn't going to spend a ton of time on family night just because there wasn't a ton ton from it. Uh, unfortunately, it rained. I mean, death taxes and raining on family night seems to be the usual thing for the Packers. But all right, let's go to the Brewers. Let's talk Brewers first, and then we'll get into our two Bucks topics, and we'll ride out for today. Um, rest of the week, we have an interview coming. Um, we're going to be doing a lot more interviews as the months go on, um, trying to maybe once or twice a week, um, besides Mitch and I, um, because not to say I'm tired of my own voice, but it just that gives me a little bit more freedom uh, to do shows that are a little bit different. So we will have another podcast coming out with a guest this week. Uh, it is the Saucepan 
Kamish, Jordan Kappen, a.k.a. the Retro Daddy, as well. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about Retro Daddy, the start of it, how it's grown, what it's about. And then we are also will talk about the saucepan event that he just put on, as well as just his background. Is it a fascinating story? Um, so I'll ask him about playing internationally, what that was like, um, and a bunch of other things. So we'll, him and I will talk sometime this week. Um, I'll have better dates for you when I have that. And obviously, Mitch and I will get in the booth and do our thing as well. All right, let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. So the Milwaukee Brewers uh, lost the San Francisco Giants uh, in a three-game series. For the Brewers, they haven't lost a series that was of three-game variety since the Cincinnati Reds swept them in early July. So the Milwaukee Brewers, that's how good the Milwaukee Brewers have been, even with all the COVID stuff. All the bullshit that has went on with them, they've really played well um, out the box. Other than that Kansas City series where they lost both of those games, the Brewers had not lost a series in the second half. Uh, the last time, as mentioned, was that Cincinnati series. Right before right before it ended, uh, the Brewers lost 3 of 4 to Cincinnati in that series, and that was the last of it. Then they bounce back, they swept the Reds, and it's kind of been on from there. Uh, it's the first time the Brewers have lost two straight since that Kansas City game. The Brewers have yet to lose three straight since that Cincinnati series that was mentioned. So the Brewers have been playing awesome baseball. So this is very uncommon. And if it wasn't for Avi Garcia losing the ball in the lights on Saturday, the Milwaukee Brewers would have taken two out of three from the San Francisco Giants. And it would have, today would have been house money and not have mattered. Uh, we really wouldn't have cared what happened on Sunday. But even this game was in their grasp, and they lost hold of it. So you can ask yourself, should we worry about this or should we not? So the case for to worry about it is, did the moment get a little too big for the Brewers here this weekend? Now, the Brewers have sort of played a little bit under the radar, I would say. I don't think that they have necessarily had the spotlight on them. And, you know, they, they haven't had to worry really about, like, people over overinflating their egos or anything like that because they're a small market. Nobody pays that close attention to them. Everybody's locked into the NL East race, which they're only, like, five games back of the, the Giants or of the wild card, excuse me, not the Giants, of the wild card, right? The Mets are five back who just lost their top spot to the Philadelphia Phillies, and they got down to third now because the Atlanta Braves keep winning games. Everybody's focused on the NL East race. No one gives a shit about what the Brewers have been doing. And the Brewers, I think, like the fact that they've been under the radar. They like the fact that they've sort of hung out sort of in the shadows. Now, this weekend, a little more attention, bigger opponent, playoff-like atmosphere. Like, I just don't know how the losing in the light stuff happens. I get it. It's baseball. It's weird, right? There, I can't, I probably can never understand what, why that happened. But it, it was just a mental error that shouldn't have happened. Eduardo Escobar gets doubled off. Again, another thing that should not have happened today. And that's where I worry a little bit that the moment got big and they kind of kind of tightened up. They kind of got a little bit of a tight butthole. And we're going to see other matchups for the Milwaukee Brewers in the second half where it is going to be a big playoff-like atmosphere. You have Cincinnati, you have St. Louis in a couple weeks uh, with the road trip there playing the Cardinals, which might be the Cardinals' last gasp. 
at potentially making a run at this thing. They have Cincinnati at home for three, which is the last, I think the last matchup with the Reds for the season. Um, and that is on Tuesday the 24th through the 26th. Then four more with San Francisco, and, and they play some playoff teams. I mean, San Francisco, St. Louis, who's, again, they have another St. Louis series, and then get, then they welcome Philadelphia. So they have, they have some matchups. They have a lot of matchups with the Cardinals here down the stretch. And I think part of the reason why the Cardinals tried to make a deal, made deals to sort of push ahead, was because they had a lot of matchups with the Brewers, and they thought, all right, if we can kind of win these games and we can kind of come out ahead, then maybe we can vault ourselves into this race. We'll see if that works for the Cardinals. They've kind of been middling all year and sort of just hanging in that 500 range. So the Brewers definitely need to kind of make sure these mental mistakes do not happen. They can't have this type of thing. If Garcia's losing balls in the lights, work with him on how that happened. Is it, you know, does he need some sort of protection? Does he need the eye makeup? Does he need to have, you know, his hat lowered? What, you know, what could, how can this be prevented? He's really a good right fielder. He's not a guy that is a liability out there, but it just makes you nervous. I think it, it's one of those things that once it happens, it can happen again. That's your fear, right? That any ball that's hit out to him in the ninth inning, you're worried, okay, we got to make sure Avi has it. And I think once he does it a couple times the right way, I think it'll get over. Like, I don't think he's going to have the yips or anything like that. Like, Luis Urias today had an error uh, at shortstop. And again, that's been a problem for him, even though he's been an awesome third baseman for the Brewers, which is crazy. How, how can he go from being a shit shortstop to an awesome third base? My dad's convinced it's a sidearm thing. He hates sidearm throwers. And that's his whole thing on Urias is because he throws sidearm, that's why he has all the error problems. That's why he has the issues at shortstop. I think from an angle perspective, if we're you know getting into our geometry and why third base can be a little bit easier for Weicho. But yeah, that... That type of shit just can't happen, man. And even though it's not necessarily a quote-unquote mental mistake, um, just getting having leadoff guys get on, I think the Gi- that's the one thing the Giants do really well and probably why they're a successful team this season is they always find themselves on base. They were on base for three straight innings, uh, the fifth, sixth, and seventh. They had a runner on, and guess what? That runner scored each of those innings. And the Giants just kept packing away. And Brandon Belt's an absolute killer. Like whatever book that the Brewers have on Brandon Belt, they need to throw it away. They just do not need to ever look at that scouting report. They need to redo it. They need to look at teams that have been successful against Brandon Belt and figure that shit out. Now the Brewers have had issues with guys who are quote-unquote Brewer killers for as long as I've been a fan. Jay Bruce is the most notable one. Uh, but Brandon Belt has definitely built his case with four home runs in three games. And the real reason why the Giants were in both the game against on Saturday and the game on Sunday. And even in the game Friday. I mean, it was 1-1 because Belt hit a home run off Kerbin Burns. And the Brewers thankfully got a run from Roddy Telez. So yes, you could look at this glass half full and say, well, the Brewers are lucky they didn't get swept. Sure. But also, we could look at it, too, and say this team should have swept the Giants. Like, they they were right in those games to sweep the Giants. And if you want to say, going to be on the optimistic side and say not all this mattered, there's some reason to, to put that out there. The Brewers had an entirely wacky 
bullpen. I mean, the COVID stuff is running rampant for the Brewers. Hopefully they're able to get all their guys back, you know, for that weekend series against Pittsburgh, fingers crossed. But that is your point about why maybe none of this matters because this is not the Brewers at full strength. They were probably at, with that bullpen stuff, probably 75%. And then you didn't have Christian Yelich until Sunday. Christian Yelich just getting his sea legs. I realize Christian Yelich isn't the player that he used to be. And I think we need to have a dis- we need to have the Christian Yelich discussion. I think Mitch and I, it's time. Mitch and I have kind of danced around the topic a little bit. We need to finally have the Christian Yelich discussion. Um, but yeah, no Yelich. Um, you've you lost a bunch of your pit bunch of your bullpen guys, no cousins, no Hunter Strickland, no Josh Hader. Like those are all vital parts of your bullpen and would have really helped you on Saturday when fucking Sal Romano was in. Like I watched Sal Romano um, as a member of the Cincinnati Reds and he was absolutely garbage. There's no reason why Sal Romano should be on this roster. Sal Romano is not good. Um, and I hope he gets sent down like immediately. Uh, and the Brewers might need a starter on Tuesday because Hauser's down with COVID. Uh, so is Eric Lauer. So they basically don't have a starting rotation. It's Burns, it's Woodruff, it's Peralta, and it's Anderson. Anderson hurt his cramp. Uh, that was also a huge blow to the Milwaukee Brewers that he had left calf cramping. And, and again, that's another thing that really shouldn't happen. You're playing in a fucking hot-ass day, okay? A left calf cramp is because you aren't properly hydrated. That should not happen. You're a fucking professional, okay? That should not occur. Your left calf cramp, my calf cramps when I don't drink enough water, when I'm not properly hydrated. And the fact that he, as an athlete, can't make sure that he's in the good hydration state is fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry. Like, that's just unacceptable. Not in a game like this. I get getting, pulling it out, like saying, all right, I don't want to like hurt myself because calf injuries are annoying and it can last. But that's terrible, right? So he lasts 63. He only pitched, had 63 pitches. Like, that's not to say Anderson couldn't have been out there for two more innings. There's a a reasonable argument to be made that Anderson could have stayed out there until maybe the seventh inning. Like he was dealing. Like after the first two innings, like he got settled in and he was good. And that's so that's really disappointing. And I never want to shame guys for injuries, but when it's a left calf cramp and you're gonna probably start again, you know, in five days, that's just you not being hydrated. And I don't know if you went out last night, whatever. I'm not again, I don't care. But if you're not going to be properly ready to play in a heat game, then what are we doing here? Like, how are you not prepared like you were against Atlanta when it was ju- it was maybe hotter and then you're not that prepared when you're here in Milwaukee? Well, what the fuck did you expect? So now I'm a little critical of that. But yeah, so you lose Anderson as part of this as well. And, and so, yeah, that's another thing to factor in. We're like, how serious should we take this? this weekend because you could argue that there were a lot of things going against the brewers that the brewers were probably bound to have something happen like this with all the covid stuff in their roster and they've been kind of lucky that they've been playing the pirates they'll get the cubs this week who just got swept by the the chicago white Sox, um and you're just gonna have you know maybe a little more of an opportunity to play some of the weaker teams in your division and in just baseball 
but it doesn't help the Brewers that the Cincinnati Reds are right on your tails. And so even if you say, hey, this series doesn't matter that much, well, the Reds won again. They swept the, the Pirates. The Reds are not going away. Will Salmon pointed out that the Reds have 29 games against teams under 500. They have one of the easiest records left in baseball. Uh, the I, No, the easiest record, excuse me, in baseball. The Brewers have one of the easiest, but it's not it's not to the level of what the Reds have on their, their docket. So the Reds right now are five games back of the Brewers, just five. They're not that far behind. They are right there. So can they catch the Brewers? You know, we'll see. We'll see if they're going to make this a little bit of a interesting race to the finish. Uh, because right now, Cincinnati looks like they can. They just got Mike Moustakis back. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Reds do. And this is a good, this is a, a week for the Brewers. Like, this is a week the Brewers really need to kind of push their, push their lead out a, a bit. Because the Reds have a makeup game with Cleveland today. And then they go to Atlanta for three. And then they go to Philly for, I think, four. Uh, either three or four for both of those. Um, no, no, three, excuse me. Because Atlanta for three, Philly for three. So those are seven games against, or six games, excuse me, against really kind of emerging teams. Like Philly and Atlanta, both are playing really well. The Phillies are eight and two. They've won eight straight. Atlanta is seven and three in their last 10. So those are those are tough opponents for the Reds. And that's where the Brewers, who are playing the Cubs and then the Pirates, need to take advantage. They need to have a four and two week or a five and one week and not sort of kind of fall apart here. Or I'm sorry, they play seven. Gosh, uh, sorry about that. So they need a five and two week. They need a six and one week. I think that is what they should be aiming for. Now, if you go four and three or three and four, could be asking for a little bit of trouble, right? Um, and Cincinnati then is going to be right there with you because they're going to have some really easy weeks coming up where you kind of have no room for error. So this would be a good week for the Milwaukee Brewers to kind of build out their cushion. But I'm not, to, to wrap up the Brewers and Giants, I'm not freaking out about this series. I don't think this series is an indictment on the Brewers. I don't think it means they can't play with the teams in the National League that are going to be in the playoffs. If anything, this makes me believe even more that the Brewers can play. And that if they didn't have all their COVID issues, they probably win Saturday. And they definitely, you know, maybe even win today. Who knows? So I have all the faith in the world in this team. I'm not worried. I just, we need the mental mistakes to stop. And you got to start taking Cincinnati a little more seriously. I know I've been down on Cincinnati, but if they keep winning games and with the schedule they have, you can't rule it out. So you just got to keep your foot on the gas pedal and win, win, win. So we'll see what they do tonight against the Cubs. Got Freddie Peralta going, um, and then who knows the rest of the way. So it'll be interesting to see what Craig Council does with that rotation. Moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks. So you had Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton both win gold medals. Uh, the USA beat France on Friday evening. It was an interesting game. It really seemed like U.S. had it. It seemed like the U.S., you know, had won this thing and they were they were going to be crown champions and then they got a little lemon booty as Mitch said to me uh, just hanging out was like yeah they started to look like the Bucks right the half court offense got real stagnant 
and you let France kind of back into the door. So the U.S. then finally finishes them off with some Durant free throws, and Holiday and Middleton both now have gold medals as well as NBA Finals championships. The last duo to do that was a couple guys, I don't know if you know them, uh, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. So a huge accomplishment for both Holiday and Middleton. I doubt that a lot of national media members will be talking about Holiday and Middleton on Monday's shows. They should. Kendrick Perkins should be talking about Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, but I'm sure they'll be talking about Kevin Durant, and that's fine. That's how it goes. But I really think that this is going to help build their sort of respect profile. I think that a lot more people are going to respect Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. Holiday especially, right? Holiday's been such a dog on defense with the international, and a lot of people considered him to be the second best player on that team, that he was that important to the U.S.'s efforts. So I do think that there'll be a lot of people that are done underrating Drew Holiday. I know Mark Stein in a tweet said it's it's time to not call Drew Holiday underrated anymore. Call him one of the best in the league. And I think he'll be in defensive player conversations, player of the year conversations out the gate as well. I think the whole idea of Drew Holiday has changed. And so I do think there's going to be people who start realizing the Milwaukee Bucks big three is as good as any big three in basketball. Like these guys are not slums in the slightest. Um, so in Middleton, I've, I think he got a lot of respect during the NBA Finals. I think this just adds to it. And I hope that the Bucks are sort of seen in a different light. I think this only helps things. And I, I get a little sensitive about like, hey, are they getting, getting enough respect? Because I feel like that's sometimes loser talk, right? Where we're like, oh, we didn't get enough respect. Like, they don't like us, whatever, yada, yada. Like, terrible city this, terrible city that. And, and all this shit. And I, I like, look, I get it. But you also understand that it comes with the territory. We're a small market, right? If Giannis was doing what he did in, I don't know, LA, Brooklyn, um, Chicago, there would be so much hype around Giannis. It would be out of this world. It would be astronomically different, okay? And if Holiday and Middleton were along for the ride at those cities, again, same thing. Those guys would get real gassed up. So I, I hope that they're at least going to get a, a small amount. Maybe the smart people will be like, hey, you know what? Like this Bucks big three might be the best in basketball. I'm, I'm not afraid to say that, right? I know Brooklyn's big three is the best on paper. Like don't get me wrong. But we have not seen it in an actual game. Like no one's shown us the Brooklyn big, big three in a playoff moment. And we know that that big three is going to get it done. They've done absolutely nothing so far. 0.0. That's it, right? They've done absolute jack shit when it comes to being a playoff team. Like, it just hasn't happened yet for them. And I don't know if we'll see it this year, right? Who knows, right? Who knows they're going to stay healthy? And then the Lakers' big three with Anthony Davis, Westbrook, and LeBron. Again, we have no idea what that looks like in playoff time. We, we don't even know what it looks like in the regular season. So how can anyone really put the Bucks big three behind either of them? If you want to put it behind Kyrie, Harden, and Durant, sure, go ahead. It's like the one year Alabama might have an off year, right? And Alabama doesn't look like they didn't, they didn't make the college football playoff or they lost in the semifinal. 
but then they reload and everybody's back next year. And so even though the national champion looks really good this next year, Alabama's still on top. I know it's kind of a weird comparison, but that's kind of how I feel like the big three in Brooklyn is being treated. And there's always those motherfuckers who are like, if Kevin Durant didn't step his foot on the line, we wouldn't have this conversation about the Bucks. I fucking hate that. It is literally one of my least favorite things going in, in sports. Because guess what? That's that's basketball. That's any sport, right? Like, if Morgan Burnett doesn't go down in, two th- in the NFC Championship game with the Packers and Seahawks, Packers are in the fucking Super Bowl, okay? Like, this shit happens all the time. That's why we love sports. Because stuff like that happens. And I, I don't mean to go on a tangent. And I know I did this with Anderson too. But like, here's the thing. Like, we can't keep doing that. So yes, the Brooklyn Big Three is better than Milwaukee's on paper. But we need to see it with injuries and other stuff. And so because Holiday and Middleton now have a gold medal on top of the NBA Finals win, they have Giannis, who's a once-in-a-generation player, They deserve to be treated differently. And the NBA should recognize that and should recognize that Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis are a very formidable big three and maybe the best in the the NBA. But unfortunately, because they're in a small market, no one's going to take them that seriously. Hell, some people might say Lowry, Butler, and Adebayo are the better big three, which would drive me up the wall. But that's what we do in this in this weird media NBA world. We don't want to embrace the small markets unless LeBron's playing there, right? Unless LeBron's playing in Cleveland, we do not embrace small markets. We hate small markets and more more in the NBA than any other sport. And I think it hurts their product because I don't think that they consider that other people are watching and want to talk about the, these teams. And it's not just always about Brooklyn and LA. But yes, credit to Holiday, credit to Middleton. I'm so excited for the season. These guys, both those guys deserve like multiple weeks off. Like they should just go to fucking Cabo for a month and just not do a damn thing and then get ready for the season come Labor Day because they've done a ton. And I think the Olympic experience will only help. Um, We've seen this before that after someone gets done with the Olympics, they come back with a massive season. Just because of all the little shit that they've learned, you know, I'm sure Durant, you know, worked with Holiday, worked with Middleton, talked to him about certain things. Um, I'm sure there were other guys that they worked with and said, all right, I can do this. I can do that. Oh, what if I try this? Like, it'll carry over and we'll see it. Um, I'm not really worried at all about any of the fatigue stuff. I do think there will be some people that will have that take, especially the Bucks start off slow. Um, it's like, well, are they run down from the season before? Is it similar to Miami? I don't think any of that is of concern. I do wonder if the Bucks will be more on the load management side early on, but I, I don't think it's a concern. They have a great training staff. I'm sure Suki is working with both Holiday and Middleton to figure out what does their offseason timelines look like in terms of training after going through not only the finals, but then a rigorous Olympics. And they deserve a ton of credit, though, for what they did. It was a really it's a really special run for all those guys. And I'm very thankful that they're on our team and that they helped out Team USA uh, win the gold. Because Team USA heard the haters, and they responded 
in a big way. The Kevin Durant uh, line about Kendrick Perkins was fucking hilarious. Um, and Kevin Durant talking his shit afterwards. I like Kevin Durant. Like, even though he's on Brooklyn, unfortunately, I really do like KD. I like his personality. I like that he's always online. I don't know. I just feel like KD's kind of one of us, right? So congrats to Holiday and Middleton and Durant and Lillard and everybody else. Uh, now basketball can kind of take a break here for the next few weeks as we go more into baseball season as well into uh, football season, of course. But even though we are going into those seasons, we still have more basketball to talk about. <laughs> um, Grayson Allen gets traded to the Milwaukee Bucks uh, for Sam Merrill and a couple second-round picks. If you want to get kind of deep into this, John Horst basically traded away the 31st pick for Sam Merrill. Uh, I'm sorry, for Grayson Allen and Sam Merrill. Or, let me restart that. If you want to get a little deep with this, John Horst basically traded the 31st pick so he could get Grayson Allen. Essentially, that's what they did. They got some extra picks from Indiana, and then they used those extra picks to say, hey, we want Grayson Allen instead of Sam Merrill. And as Mitch said on the, on his Twitter, another Mitch shout-out, you know, Sam Merrill's ceiling is probably Grayson Allen. So I'm okay with it. And I was like, yeah, I am too. Like, Grayson Allen's a great ad for Milwaukee. Grayson Allen really came into his own last season. Um, he's a guy who can shoot. Uh, he shot 39% last year. He had 25 points in a playoff game against the Utah Jazz. Uh, Grayson Allen's a good player. And I know he rubs people the wrong way, and we can get to that in a second. But he's a really, could be a very vital player for Milwaukee. Plays good defense. He's uh, only in his third year or fourth year into the NBA. He's going to be 26. Uh, but yeah, 10 points. He's, his points have increased every year. Uh, as mentioned, he was 39% from three. Uh, this this year, he was 40% last year. Um, so the guy can fucking shoot it. Um, good free throw shooter too. 86% from the line uh, last year. 86 both years, 86%. Uh, and does a little bit of everything. Uh, can get you some rebounds. Can get you some blocks. Um, doesn't turn the ball over too much. Uh, definitely a, a score. His, his numbers did go down a little bit uh, in terms of a field goal percentage. But you got to remember, he was shooting a lot more and was empowered with his minutes that have been on the rise. Uh, he started with 10 minutes in his first year, 18 in his second, and last year was 25, and actually started 38 games for the Memphis Grizzlies. So I'm really fired up for Grayson Allen. I think that this is a great add for the Bucks and makes their bench a little bit better and establishes the bench a little bit more. Um, Rodney Hood and George Hill, while I like those ads, Semi Ojale too, I, I liked all of those ads. I had no problem with those ads. But there was a little bit of an unknown with all three of them. Ojale, it was, you know, Boston fans really didn't like him. Um, Boston fans talked about how he kind of, I don't know, he just obviously rubbed every Boston fan the wrong way. And a lot of Boston fans were happy. Semi Ojale was there, was not there. Uh, George Hill, is he washed up? Is he old? Is he, he passed his prime? Um, lastly, with Rodney Hood, can he stay healthy? So now you add Grayson Allen, and you actually kind of are like, all right, Grayson can be a guy that either you start or you bring off the bench and can give you, you know, 10 a night, right? And you feel pretty good about it. And I think it'll be a competition between him and Pat Connaughton for who starts 
out the box, whether it makes more sense to have Grayson as part of the ones, or is he more of a guy they need to bring off the bench? And him and Pat Connaughton do play a similar role, so I think there are some people who are like, what are we doing? Why are we accumulating all these guards? Is you know, a horse not done? Is he is he ready to make a trade? He could be, but from all intents and purposes, Dante DiVincenzo is not going to be ready for the start of the season. So with Dante not being ready, they're going to load up on perimeter players. They're going to load up on wings. And then on top of that, we saw that their wing depth was a concern last year. Even though they won a championship, they really did not have many perimeter options besides the starters, Jeff Teague, Pat Connaughton, and that was it, right? Like Elijah Bryant got some run, I think in game five, right? In game six of the the Atlanta series, and he looked not even in, like prepared for it. But the Bucks were trying to like get some better perimeter, or just get another perimeter option off the bench. They didn't have it. So I think they looked at that and said, all right, what's one thing we need to fix for next year? How do we progress and how do we get to another championship? And the answer was adding more wing depth. So that's why I think they're doing it. I don't think they're making a deal. I mean, John Horst kind of hangs out in the shadows. Like this Grayson Allen deal came out of nowhere. No one really was talking about Grayson Allen in Milwaukee. That wasn't anything I think any of us thought about. Like, oh, that's an option for the Bucks. That's being rumored. There was none of that. So I will never put it past John Horse to make a move. But I also look at this and say, all right, this makes sense. This roster is a really nice one for Milwaukee. And I think they are going to be a really tough out for any team as the roster is constructed right now. And you'll know it'll change with the buyout market and everything else. There's not gonna, It's not necessarily going to stay stagnant. Uh, for Milwaukee. The other thing, just to finish off on the wings, speaking of the trading stuff, it's not like John Horse can't make a deal in uh, July or January or February at the deadline and say, all right, I'm going to throw one of these guys in a trade to make sure we fill a need, whatever that need may be, where you can tack on Rodney Hood or you can tack on Semi Ogile or I don't think you'd tack on Grayson Allen. Um, but those are some guys you could look at and say, all right, now they become more expandable, expendable because we have all this wing depth that we didn't have before. So I, I love the Grayson Allen move. I know that there will be Bucks Badger Bucks that Bucks fans that are Badger fans where it just rubs them the wrong way because of the national championship game. I know there'll be also college basketball fans who aren't Duke fans who hate Grayson Allen. So I think there'll be that. All I gotta say is a. Everything that I hear, he's a really nice guy. Um, I I put something on Instagram where I was like, yeah, he's our asshole. And like a Duke fan page that had like 50,000 followers was like, he's actually a really nice guy. It's all bullshit. And then his girlfriend, uh, Morgan Reed, who's a complete smoke, by the way. Her, I would just gander her Instagram if you want. She goes, yeah, facts. And I was like, whoa, that's kind of big for the review game. We're getting a blue check, 220,000 followers. Uh, checking in and dropping a line and I was like yeah welcome to the city like we love him even though I called him like our asshole I meant it in the most endearing way like I'm very excited for him and Bobby to be sort of a tag team bruiser crew that gets under everybody's skin like they're gonna get into some scraps and I love that I think the Bucks need that I think that's really important you look at that that bench unit of Bobby Grace Allen and George, even George Hill George Hill doesn't really put up with any shit like, he's not really a talker, but he doesn't put up with any shit. Like, he does not allow for any shit to happen. So you have those three. I mean, yeah, that's, here we go, right? 
So I'm excited for racing. I think it was a really good move by John Horst and are excited about this uh, this upcoming Bucks season because it'll be a good one. Um, so we'll see if they're they're done or if the moves have been made. Also, shout out to the NBA for looking and tampering with Kyle Lowry. I appreciate that. As someone who was banging that drum, it's, it's at least nice to see that the league is not lying down with that type of stuff or that, that a double standard exists. The league was like, all right, we heard you, Milwaukee. We know we need to make a move here, and they did. So I, I'll, give them, I'll give them props on that. All right, that does it for today's show. Uh, like I said, we got a big week. Got to tap the keg. We got a Jordan Kappen sit down, um, and we'll do daily tap as well smattered in there. Uh, the interview series is not going to be something new. It'll be called Daily Tap, but it'll probably be more like the Daily Tap presents versus like an actual. At, we'll figure it out before an actual day. We don't really put timestamps on it, but it's usually recapping what happened in that day of sports. Uh, so this will be a little different since it's something that I, I want to be more of an evergreen thing where you guys can listen to it. It's not in the moment. I think some guests will have. It'll be a little more in the moment, whether talking about the Packers, whether talking about the Bucks, the Brewers, whatever. Um, so yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. I'm really excited for it. I hope you guys are too. I'm also just unrelated since I'm bullshitting with you guys to end. And maybe actually, let's just a topic. I'm gonna do it as a topic later this week when we got some downtime or it's kind of a slow day. Like I have to talk about how I'm just basically not. I can't drink like I used to. It's so sad. Um, but we'll tell we'll tell that story um, later this week. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. Um, and look forward to talking to you guys then. All right, see you. Bye.